0: Good morning, everyone on Zoom. In our in uh, one of the recent Zen um, chats that Althea put out, um, there was a quote in there from Joko, uh, which was, um, uh, "May we be a, a no self, an open and spacious response to life." Um, I felt very warmed by those words and, uh, and also the picture of Joko that was in there. I hadn't seen a picture of her for a while. So I had a very warm response to seeing her picture and also hearing these words because it was just a very, very um, simple way of, in a nutshell, just saying what Zen practice is all about and summed up her, her approach to practice. And uh, let's let's have a look at it a little more closely, and uh, really reflect first on the choice of words. May we may we be a no self, right? Not let's strive to be this. Mm -hmm. Let's not try and be this. Uh Let's be it. Uh Be a no self, an open and spacious response to life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get an understanding of something if you look at what the opposite is, uh, which is being, like instead of being open, closed, instead of spacious, narrow, constricted, constrained, knee-jerk reaction to life. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of a contrast. and. As much as we say in Zen practice that there is nothing to attain, you know, there is no enlightenment up there, that you have to strive towards seeing into what is here right now, which is, which is true. On the other hand, we wouldn't do this practice if there wasn't some kind of uh, transformation in the way that we experience life and a transformation of character. And a maturing that takes place. It, there'd be no point in doing it if that didn't occur. It's kind of like we come back to. We come back to how we truly are, rather than trying to make something happen. Um, but we do move from being in a self-centered dream, a lot of the time, to dwelling more in being a no-self. That's that's the path of practice. So let me break it down a little bit. I've broken it down. Of course, life doesn't break down into these categories, but let's just break it down into categories and then put it back together again so we kind of get a fuller understanding of what Choco meant by these words. First of all, if we just come back to the purely embodied physical experience of being in a body, And we really become intimate with this when we do a day like today where we just sit in meditation. So to be a no-self in meditation is simply to take up this posture and you just experience the automatic life pulse, right? You, You breathe in and out, your heart beats on and off, you know, and you had the sense of being embodied and feeling the body sensations, and you're aware of living through your senses just seeing things, smelling things, hearing things, tasting things, touching things, experience of pleasure and pain coming and going, pleasant, unpleasant coming, neutral right? that is an open response to life it's just being being the way things are. Mm-hmm. And that's why thing, sitting meditation, quiet meditation, as simple and as uncomplicated it is, is such a wonderful um, baseline for understanding what it is to be a no-self, right? And we bring it into social life and action and so on. But to just to pare ourselves down to this, right? without all this thinking going on or working things out. Just being intimate with being a body, existing in the body of the world. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's, that's the baseline that we experience through our life and why it's so important to come back and touch base with it. And if you move out of the physical, then we go into action. Right? And and our lives are made up mainly of action, you know, doing one task after the other, you know, socialising, cleaning, cooking, shopping, eating, cleaning up again, going for a walk, going sailing, whatever it is, they're just all actions. So what is what is the no-self of action? The no-self of action, I guess, is that it's just one thing follows another and there's no resistance to the action. I and mean, you might make choices about what you do, but life is often just made up of tasks, you know, and there's one task completion and then another task completion and another task completion. And it's kind of like seamlessly flowing from one action to another without any resistance to doing it. Like water flowing, Do you know, that's a very very powerful um, Taoist metaphor that we come back to. Just like water flowing one thing into the other. And it's not measuring whether they're good actions or bad actions. It's just being one with the actions, just doing it. So a lot of life is really kind of like just pottering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go from one thing to another. But where we get entangled up, where a self gets caught up in it is, oh, I don't like doing this, Do you know, I um, should be doing something better, Do you know, um, why am I doing this, Do you know, why, 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 why? You know? And then we're, we're entangled again. And all of this comes through various koans, you know. They're not that esoteric really, although they might sound it. And one koan that comes to mind that's about action in the world it's a question, why do you put on your seven-piece robe at the sound of the bell? In other words, why do you get up in the morning? Mm -hmm. Why do you go to work? Mm -hmm. Why do you eat? Why do you clean things? Why do you have a career? Mm -hmm. Um, When we're caught up in the self-centred dream, we've separated ourselves from the actions through all of that. But when you're just being the action, in other words, just just carrying water, just chopping wood, and then there's no separation. There's a flow. And there's just an open response to what needs to be done. It's kind of like you, the open response is what needs to be done. And you do it seamlessly. Now, if we bring to another category, our emotional life, do you know which is um, a very, very problematic aspect of our experience um, and if we're living from no self, that open and spacious response to life then the baseline would be more along the lines of love, compassion joy and equanimity and somewhere, sometimes we're in that space um, but it becomes more of a Predominant baseline that we're experiencing, um, but it's important that we're not making an identity out of that. It's like, oh, I'm just a loving, kind, compassionate, calm person. That that's me. Uh-huh. That's where you've made an identification, a self, making an identification with a no self, right? Um, and we need to remind ourselves as human beings that we have a whole array of emotions which are hardwired into us, and they're there for a reason, you know, and there's a fight-flight mechanism and anger and fear that comes out of it. We have an innate sense of disgust, right? Um, We have feelings of sadness and shame and guilt, and they all make up who we are. Um, One of the problems is, is when we make these emotions into entities Oh yeah, there's love, there's joy, there's disgust. You know, they're like they're in little boxes and categories, but the nature of emotions is that they're seamlessly part of life. Right? They're not. They're not discrete entities. They're just experiences um, that are in the whole, impermanent flow of experience. They don't have a beginning or an end. You can't put them in a box. But emotions. Enhance our life in the sense that um, uh, they colour our life. Like it's kind of like without emotions, it'd be like living in a, a black and white movie, right? Um, and when we have emotional ex- experiences, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant, it's like living in a in a colourful experience response to life. Um, Probably our emotional life is where we become the most, it becomes a, an area of preoccupation and very much a, a, an area of, of self-identity. You know, my anger, my sadness, my love, my joy, mm-hmm. there's ownership of them and identity very much solidifies around it when there's nothing actually to identify with. It's just energy coming and going. And then one of the other areas of our life that we talk a lot about um, is the thinking, you know, the, the cognitive aspect of our life. Now, an open response, an open spacious response to life does involve thinking. We're human beings, you know. We we can think creatively, imaginatively which can be open and spacious. We can think constructively, analytically, plan all of those kind of things. And that is not contrary to being an open and spacious response to life. They're kind of like part of the toolkit of being a human being. The problematic thing is um, uh, where our thinking faculty has become the master rather than the servant. Mm-hmm. and we think it's the be-all and end-all of everything we believe our thoughts and we believe our thoughts particularly that are associated with our strong emotions and that that's the core of the self-centered dream in a sense all of that um but functional thinking you know working through problems planning etc etc is just part of the flow of life do you know and i know and i do it myself do you know we um, in Zen, we're always critical of thinking, in a sense. Um, but it's as Joko said, it's not thinking per se. It's where it gets sucked into this vortex of uh, the self-centred dream. But in itself, it's a constructive thing. Mm. It's just the flow of energy again. Then um, another aspect of our life is um, our social being. And an open, responsive, no self socially is naturally empathic, you know, naturally interested, um, naturally engaged, playful, silly, even mm-hmm. very silly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, has that. An open, spacious self has the capacity to cooperate with others and be a team player, and also, where necessary, to be a leader, right? And also, the ability to move seamlessly between being together with other people, and that's okay, and being alone by oneself, and that's okay. Like, there's not a One's better than the other. You know, there's there's not a sense of loneliness or being overwhelmed. It's like just moving seamlessly between those two, and it involves not comparing oneself to others. You know, and being with with our social selves is where we then get usually most human beings get caught up in status. Some kind, you know, mm-hmm. and and it may be status along the lines of um, looking at how you're lesser than, or it's status in terms of looking at how you're more than, or swinging between the two. But it's another preoccupation of the self, and it it goes on all the time, mm-hmm. unless we watch it and we, we're open to it. And a saying or a koan that comes back to me is is Rin's eyes. Um, person of no rank. Who is this person of no rank Mm -hmm. who's coming in and out of your senses all the time? Mm -hmm. That person who just sees and hears and walks and talks Uh Mm -hmm. without any coagulation around being me. Mm -hmm. And then we could say finally... Um, There's an existential aspect to our experience, like the the big picture. How do we relate to birth and death? Mm -hmm. What's the open, responsive way of relating to birth and death? Um, I think, simply, it's um, enjoying the journey and it's enjoying the mystery of life without having to be preoccupied with working it out, where it's going, how I can control its destiny. It's just moment-to-moment fullness in life. It's just enjoying the journey. And maybe you get a, a business class ticket, you know, and maybe you get an economy class ticket. Um, but both are fine. Uh-huh. And, um if you get the business class ticket we'll enjoy it and if you get the economy class ticket you'll enjoy it as well particularly if you're not comparing where you are in that state of, um, but yes the the existential aspect is very interesting you know there is time um, you know there's a time for presence but we shouldn't think that there there isn't a place for um, reflection in life as well. And reflection is also part of many spiritual traditions like the, the traditional um, contemplative Catholic tradition of, of prayer is very much one of reflection. Reflection's okay um, as as long as it's um, not a preoccupied self-reflection but it's more a reflection on the big picture. And again, Experiencing it, not from a, a sense of anxiety of having to work it all out, but from a sense of wonder and enjoying and exploring it is more what it looks like. So, to come back to Joko's words, a non-self, an open and spacious, response to life. It's um, the response part of it. It's worthwhile just looking into to compare that with reaction. Response is just sort of in the moment opening up to whatever is required, doesn't it? Like life just changes moment to moment. And if you're a fixed identity, then you will be rigid in how you respond to it. If you're a no-self and an open, spacious presence, well, when something comes along, you just know what to do. Something else comes along, you know what to do. You're not fixated anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of practice, of Often we, we experience, the more we practise, we just reflect and we sense, yes, there is more of a, a no self-open, spacious response there. And then we realise that, oh yeah, I've come, gone back and I've been caught in the, the restricted, limited me again. And we, we move between those two. Um, and it's important to recognise um, what kind of state we're in. Um, I don't know of anyone who's in the open, spacious place all of the time. Um, It just kind of grows more and becomes a natural part of your experience. But we can all go back into that restricted place again. And so it's important, if we do, to recognise it, first be non-judgmental about it, but be discerning that there is a difference in that maturity of experience.